Welcome to Keeping Afloat, episode 17. My name's Kabir, and I'm a cruise director. And with my incredible teams, I am the senior officer in charge of entertainment on cruise ships, as well as hosting the entire cruise. From the theater shows to dance classes and parties, I oversee a massive team of incredibly talented entertainers while traveling around the world. And now, you get to come with me. This is the story of my life at sea and just trying to keep afloat. Remember to check out my real-life up-to-date Instagram at CruiseDirectorKabir and www.CruiseDirectorKabir.com. Just a quick disclaimer, the views expressed in this show are mine and not that of any brand that I'm associated with. The names of the characters in this story have been changed from their original ones, and certain storylines may have been modified. I'm at home, and the weather is perfect. It already feels like summer's arriving, despite the fact that here in Toronto, it was actually zero degrees Celsius. It was freezing two weeks ago, and now we're going up to 30 degrees Celsius, and it's just absolutely perfect. Now, the weather getting better, funny enough, is helping me think a bit about the world. And what I keep telling myself is that the world will heal but it's time to get used to a new normal. And this type of change has a lot of positives. The cruise industry is going to have to make some serious changes, and this is the time for innovation. This is going to be a huge advantage for just figuring out how to do things a little bit better. But my first thought is how is anything ever going to be full again? With social distancing, we're going to have to limit capacity. So flying is going to be totally different. Think of it as going back in time to when things weren't crowded. And ships are going to have to create or limit space in order to justify just sailing without breaking social distance. So in some ways, things are actually going to get to be more comfortable. Carnival and Royal Caribbean, as well as Norwegian Cruise Line, have announced start dates for around August, which is fantastic. So I can't wait to see what they're going to come up with. But anyway, back to the theme of this episode, which is growth. By this time, I was well into my second contract, and it had been vastly different from my first. For the first two weeks especially, I just remember saying, oh yeah, this is what working on a ship is actually like. Or, I don't have to be this stressed out because, you know, my time with Mario on that first ship really traumatized me. Now, this ship and my last one were absolutely incredible, and it felt like it just kept getting better. Fernando, the cruise director, actually showed me a lot, and when I'm thinking about it now, to this day, I still... Uh, think about the lessons that he taught me. So it's been really, really educational. This contract, I feel like I learned the most. Now, at this point in the story, I was looking more at his leadership style and how vastly different it had been from the previous cruise directors I had worked with. In this case, Fernando was a lot more involved with the team and his attitude was really relaxed and that spread amongst the department. But Relaxed and lazy are two very, very different things. It was more so, I respect you and I won't be on your case because we need to work together as a team because we all have the same goal. Janet, 
the assistant cruise director and my friend, had to pick up some of the slack when it came to assertiveness. But overall, it was a brilliant team to be a part of. And now with this episode, we're heading in to our Christmas and New Year's cruise at the end of 2015 on my second contract. Christmas on a ship as a guest versus as crew is vastly different, like completely different ends. And I've done a Christmas cruise before and it was amazing, but uh, it's quite the operation behind it. And I was about to figure that out. It's also very rare for a ship to operate Christmas and New Year's in the same cruise. Usually they split them up because those two holidays are the most expensive cruises of the year. So it's in the cruise line's best interest to split them up. But depending on schedules, I can understand what happens. This time, and for my very first Christmas at sea, I'd have to help plan, organize, and execute a perfect Christmas and New Year's cruise. And with that, let's cast off. Evenings on board usually followed a similar flow. A show in the theater, something in the atrium, another show in the theater, and then something on the ship's top lounge, or a deck party. Now, on the second night of the cruise, this Christmas and New Year's cruise, we threw a massive deck party just to get the atmosphere a little bit, just a little bit looser and get everything started. Now, when it comes to having large-scale parties on a cruise ship, there is a lot of intricate planning between entertainment, food and beverage, the production staff, but once it's all established, it'll run perfectly every time, cruise after cruise, which is why I am so thankful that we repeat cruises, because by the time we get to about two or three weeks after we've made a big change, all the kinks are ironed out just from doing it so many times. The biggest change comes after a cruise director changes over. Then you have to change all your preferences around and it's all being catered toward what the cruise director wants. Now, Fernando's deck parties were absolutely incredible. He, as a cruise director, would put all of his energy into making sure that people were entertained. And not only that, what you saw on stage was the same as off stage. But it was always Janet that ran the event. And Fernando was smart. He'd arrive for the first 20, 30 minutes, and then Janet would usually take over and host the rest of the party. And the reason for that was basically that Fernando, while he was going to be seen at the party, since that was the place to be, he also wanted to get around the rest of the ship to increase his visibility. So it was good. You stop in, make sure everything's okay, and then go around the rest of the ship and come back later. It's an old cruise director trick that I'd come to learn, and something that I noticed that Fernando did right off the bat. Now, this party, I actually got my first experience with teaching a party dance. Until this point, party dances were my biggest worry. I truly thought I couldn't dance. I had two left feet, and following dance moves just sounded really difficult to me. But with Janet's help, she actually pulled me up, and we danced to an Indian song. And it was one of the most memorable deck parties to date. The DJ, the live band, even the cast came up to perform numbers, and it was just a great way to start off the cruise. It showcased the entire entertainment team in a really positive way, especially 
because these would be the people entertaining on Christmas and New Year. Now, this was also a cruise where the expectations were set sky high, so the pressure was on. The following day, we were in our first port of call, St. Martin. And it was also the last day that we had to finalize our plan for the next 10 holiday-driven days. Fernando called a meeting for the entire department in the theater. And to my surprise, I woke up to see that the ship had been decorated from top to bottom in Christmas decorations. And the cruise line had actually paid for a team of decorators to stay on board for about four days and work every single night to decorate the ship. Now, the biggest challenge for us was going to be Christmas Day because it was a sea day. So it meant that we had a full sea day itinerary of things to do, plus everything additional for Christmas. And it was a catch-22 because if you have a ship that has Christmas on a port day, that's a lot harder because you're relying on the port to deliver a Christmas experience and then in the evening to bring it home. So you don't have as much control over what you want to do versus on a sea day, everybody's on the ship. So our new stuff for Christmas and just for that day included Santa's arrival, caroling in the atrium with the officers, Christmas lunch, Christmas dinner, presents for the kids, and so much more. That's only a little bit of the stuff that we had planned. And it truly was going to be nuts. And as for New Year, it wasn't quite as much pressure on the daytime as much as it was for the absolutely humongous deck party that needed to be thrown. And the centerpiece? The countdown clock. Someone had to be in charge of it. And someone was also in charge of knocking down the five into the pool and rolling the six in place for when the clock struck midnight, because this was 2015 going into 16. Fernando's a great guy, but he was babbling on, discussing all of these plans in a jumbled mess. And eventually, Janet, my friend and the assistant cruise director, eventually took over and ran the meeting to make sure that everybody was on the same page. After about an hour, Janet, Javier, the other activity host, and I headed to the activities office to plan the details, since we would be the ones executing a lot of these activities. Now, the activities office was just off of the theater, and it was a beautiful office. When you walked in, there was a long desk against the wall on the left, full of two computers, one for me and one for Javier. And Janet, the assistant cruise director, her desk was just on the right side of the door facing the entrance. Three people was enough to make it feel pretty tight in there, especially with the sheer number of prizes that we had packed in because it doubled as a storage locker. So as we got to planning the flow of Christmas day, Javier kept interfering with Janet's plans, just constantly interrupting her as she was giving us instructions. Janet would be telling Javier what the schedule was and Javier just wanted to dispute absolutely everything. I think he didn't like Janet telling him what to do and he was just used to hearing things through Fernando and frankly that drove Janet nuts. Enough that after that meeting she had to call Fernando, the cruise director, to try and sort it out. During the last cruise, Derek, one of the performers from the cast, and I had agreed to go out on a date. Now, 
This was my first real date since being on ships. And for the most part, I'd kept to myself compared to Javier, who had a very active social life, is what we'll call it. It was mostly an age thing, and I was razor focused on where I wanted to go. Also, I'd never really been a dater, per se. Our ship had been recently renovated, and just off of the atrium on deck five, they put in this casual lounge-style restaurant where the wine bar used to be. It's a lot better use of that space. Now, since few crew had been yet, and the ship had just recently been dry docked, we were really excited to give it a try. The process for eating at a restaurant on board changes depending on your rank. So three stripes or higher, you can just walk in. And Fernando, at three and a half, had that benefit. Anything below needs permission from the restaurant manager, and usually, you would go through your manager. In this case, it was Janet who had to get approval from the hotel director, and usually they're really good to just say yes, go ahead. It's mostly just for numbers to make sure you're not going at a time that's going to be too busy and take away from the guest experience, which, totally fair. We ended up sitting next to the window, and the whole experience just felt odd. I I knew I couldn't fully let loose because I knew I had to be in the theater by 8.30 to greet guests as they arrived for the second show. And it felt like two different worlds. My land world and the sea world were intertwining. As a whole, the date went brilliantly, and we actually agreed to hang out later on that night. But I couldn't help but think of the implications of working on a ship and what it does to a relationship. What was the point? Do relationships even exist on ships? And with all of that aside, I just felt like I needed to enjoy that evening for what it was, rather than buying into all of those negative thoughts. But truly, that evening was the calm before the storm. Fernando, the cruise director, asked for a meeting with Janet, Javier, and I in the ship's top lounge the following morning. And I liked that Fernando did that. He didn't like holding meetings in his office. And when I asked him why that was, I remember him saying, my goal is not to intimidate anyone by going to the cruise director's office. I just want to solve the problem. So I need to bring everyone to a neutral and open space and take away the institutional element of this. And that top lounge was definitely a neutral space, and it took a lot of the pressure away. Fernando was sitting comfortably across from us in this space-age-looking chair. The top lounge had some really interesting furniture. But it didn't look like he was lazy, just relaxed and in charge. The three of us, Janet, Javier, and I, were sitting on the padded couch just across from him. At that point, he leaned forward and he said, Janet works very hard to run the majority of the light entertainment on the ship. And he mentioned that she does this with us, her team, in mind. That her and Fernando speak every single day, making sure that everyone's feeling stimulated and they get enough rest. And then he turned to Javier and said that he was really upset to hear how disrespectful he was to Janet. That was unexpected. If this was Mario and Miguel, there's no way that would have happened. It would have been swept under the rug and it wouldn't have been treated like a problem-solving exercise. It was just treated a bit more like two friends working together. In this case, I was really impressed with him. 
and he actually jumped really quickly to the defense of Janet. He basically said, she's the manager, and no matter what, everyone deserves to be heard. But at the end of the day, she's the boss. Again, this was a massive learning experience for me, and within minutes, we were back to talking about Christmas plans. And that night, after the show, Janet and I sat in the office with a glass of wine, finalizing everything we'd need for the next day. Christmas. The prizes were organized, instructions for activities stapled, and more importantly, the wine glasses were emptied. And as I stood up to leave the office around 1 a.m. or so on Christmas Day, Janet looked at me and said, you are going to be a fantastic cruise director. I really appreciated that she said that because being away during Christmas had been really hard for me. I knew that I needed a little bit of positive reinforcement and I guess she realized that too. But it meant a lot that she said that this early on in my career. It actually inspired me to ask Janet to take me under her wing. And then there was Christmas Day. At 4 a.m. on Christmas Day, I was jolted awake by a massive bang. The bathroom door was swinging around, and as I got up to close it, I noticed that our porthole looked more like a washing machine than a window to outside. Water was swirling around it before eventually dripping down and going back into the sea. Now, this, by the way, was on the other side of the window. The porthole was fully sealed. As the water hit the window, I could also feel the ship start to descend and then ascend and just repeat again and again and again. And that was accompanied by a slight roll from left to right. We were definitely in heavy seas. Some of the heaviest seas that I'd actually encountered up until this point, at least 20 to 25 feet tall. And I tried to get back into bed and fall asleep. And the next time I woke up was to the sound of my ship's phone buzzing. And I hated that feeling. If it rings before I'm awake, I always assume that something's gone wrong and I have to get somewhere quickly. And this time, the caller ID said cruise director. And it was about 9 o'clock a.m. I wasn't supposed to be up until 9.30, but I answered the phone anyway. Kabir, come to my cabin right now. We're all here for a meeting and you need to hurry up and show up. Come, come, come. Click. I was just absolutely flabbergasted because that was the first thing I'd heard all morning and I didn't even speak. A meeting at 9am at the CD's cabin? This was a major thing that I wasn't informed of and also something that you don't want to miss. So I woke up Javier and we were both showered and out the door in less than 5 minutes. An absolutely record time. Fernando's cabin still astounded me. And if this cabin was on land, it would be the equivalent to a mansion. All of the inner circle of our department was in there. Fernando's friends from the youth department, some of the production team, the managers, we all kind of hung out together. And it was nice to be part of that immediate group. Fernando had 10 shots lined up on the wet bar on the left side of the cabin. Fernando raised a shot glass and said, today we execute a plan that we've been working on for months. The key is to enjoy it. And if we have fun, the guests have fun. Cheers. Shots at 9 o'clock a.m. are not a normal thing. Also, 
very, very not allowed, especially not for me. But at this point, I was over being so reserved. I just wanted to join in and have a good time. And also, in my rush to get ready, I didn't notice how much worse the weather had gotten. Now, since Fernando's cabin was right at the front of the ship and on a higher deck, it was way worse. And I didn't know if this shot was going to make things better or worse, considering I needed to go straight to work. We all took our shots and were told to meet back at Fernando's cabin before our signature dance class. And between that point, I was hosting Christmas morning trivia in the ship's top lounge. Trivia was packed. Considering it was raining and the weather was bad, it made sense that everybody was inside. The ship's top lounge had a 180-degree view of the front of the ship at its highest point. Therefore, the movement from up there was even worse. Looking out the window, I could actually see the water and then the sky and repeat again and again and again. And I was so incredibly motion sick. As I was calling trivia, the projector and the screen fell over. But I actually managed to save the situation in a way that I had never done before. I basically just said on the mic that, you know what, the weather's rough, it's live entertainment. Also, I'm incredibly nauseous, but you know what, I'm powering through it. And for some reason, that honesty suddenly made me so much more relatable to the, to the guests that they really appreciated it. And I think as a result, I got a much bigger applause at the end of that trivia. After our shot at Fernando's before his dance class, we all walked up to the pool deck as a unit. Janet, Javier, Fernando, and I. And the dance class was packed. 150 people joining in from all over the pool deck and the overlooking decks. Now, Fernando's signature dance class is legendary. It happened every single sea day at 12 p.m. sharp, and it was this brilliant mix of Latin and modern music. Javier was having the time of his life. Christmas was the one day where being extra energetic and out there was kind of needed and acceptable. Santa's arrival was absolutely crazy. We had to pretend that Santa was going to enter the ship through the smokestack and then walk all the kids down from top deck to the theater where Santa gave kids a bunch of presents that the cruise line had pre-wrapped. Janet and I were on deck to coordinate traffic and Javier, as his usual self, was running around with all the kids as they walked down to the theater. By 5 p.m. that evening, Janet, Javier, and I were in the activities office slumped over in our chairs. Now, on most major cruise lines, the time between 12 p.m. and about 3 p.m. is known as international officer rest time. So there are very few phone calls because everyone's on their midday break, even on Christmas. Now, entertainment staff don't get that luxury. We're on whenever the guests are on, which on a sea day is always. So we were just about to stand up and go to our cabins to change and just take a little bit of a breather, a little bit of a rest, Janet's phone buzzes. It turns out four of the cast members were really feeling the motion from the ship's movement that day. Fernando eventually got to the office and Javier just stood up and said, okay guys, this sounds like it's gonna be a lot of fun, but I'm gonna go take a nap. It's not that I don't care, but I need to conserve my energy. 
And to be fair, nobody was upset. We knew that Javier would just want to jump around anyway. The medical team gave the cast members some seasickness pills, but it would still take an hour or two for them to kick in. So it was decided that I would go on stage and sing, thinking out loud to open the show. Then Fernando would come out and tell a couple of jokes, and Janet would manage communication between the dance captain and what was going on on stage. We all decided to disperse and get ready and relax for however long we could. I didn't, because now I was performing in a 1,500-seat theater. So not only was this a great opportunity, it also pumped me full of adrenaline. And frankly, to sing on the main stage on Christmas on the very first time that I met C for the holidays was a massive opportunity. When I got backstage, Janet came out in this absolutely stunning black dress. Fernando was in this sparkling silver tux. He always had some sort of incredible clothing he was wearing that was bound to get him noticed. And I was wearing a green blazer with a black lapel and tight red pants. We were on stage left, just behind the curtain, so we could see the audience, but the audience couldn't see us. It was 6.55, just five minutes until showtime, and right then, the dance captain storms out of the dressing room and went straight to Fernando. She said, they're all being crybabies. There's no way I can make them do a show. Fernando, without blinking an eye, went backstage to speak to the cast. And by about 7.02 p.m., he came back and said, Kabir, you're a superstar for doing this, but we're just going to start the show without the song. The cast is ready, it took some convincing, and the less time that they have to sit around and talk, the better. In some ways, I was glad, because that was a lot of pressure. But also, it was disappointing. But I knew that I would definitely be getting another shot. The show went off without a hitch and ended with a standing ovation because for the final number, the cast decided to do it all in Christmas hats. That small change, that little detail, went so far with the audience. Between the shows, all of the ship's officers, including the captain himself, got together in the atrium for caroling with the officers, which by this point was a little bit jovial because most of the hotel officers had all been out for christmas drinks at the officers bar needless to say it was out of tune but it was just the whole idea that everybody's singing together and the guests loved it the atrium from deck three all the way up to deck 12 was packed with people leaning in to try and join in for the first time that day i sat down and it was 11:30 p.m i had never been so tired in my life and to think I needed to do it all again for New Year's almost made me want to cry plus everyone was determined to get New Year's right because that was going to be the final night of the cruise the thing about New Year's is that it's not quite as long as Christmas in terms of the build-up and the day of. Christmas is a whole day affair. For New Year's, it's really the party on the night of New Year's Eve. And that past week after Christmas had been so nice. I feel like I needed three days to recover from that. But the feedback was extremely positive from the guests. 
Derek had taken me out for drinks a couple of times, and we were becoming a little bit of an item. But it was at that phase where you didn't really know what to call it. You appreciated what you had, but at the same time, if you put a label on it, you didn't know the other person well enough to know if you were going to scare them. Anyway, for New Year's Eve, the plan was pretty simple. The main party would be on the pool deck, with music in other lounges on the ship, so people had options. Janet was in charge of making sure that the entire ship celebrated New Year's at the same time. So, she got a series of walkie-talkies. Some people call them radios, but it's called a walkie-talkie. We'd set it up so that there was one member of the production staff in every venue, and I was in charge of all venues indoor, not counting the pool deck. Javier and Janet would be on the pool deck with the official countdown clock, plus the five and the six, and then the five needed to get knocked into the pool. And of course, we needed to have the classic oldest member of the crew and youngest member of the crew to ring in the new year. The bridge was also listening in with the walkie-talkies so they could sound the horn when Fernando, who is the host of the party, said Happy New Year. That way, everybody was on the same page. But of course, not everything goes to plan. Despite all of that, we organized everything to a T. We checked and double-checked to make sure that we were ready to go and that everybody was in position. And so far, it was perfect. The pool deck was packed. There were easily a thousand people spread out, standing shoulder to shoulder between the pool deck and the overlooking decks. At 11.55, Janet did a check-in on the radios, only to have Corey, one of the production staff and one of the lounges, to say, I'm ready whenever you guys are, and then the bridge to say, okay, sounding the horn now. I stopped dead in my tracks because messing up New Year's was not something Janet was going to let happen. It was completely off. So just then I heard Janet cut in and say, no, do not sound anything. We still have five minutes. Corey, get off this frequency. It was just funny because it was such a silly thing to have all these radios and all this complication just over sounding the horn. But at the end of the day, it was a really intricate operation. And that was the final piece of the puzzle. By 11.59, Janet called me and said to come up to the pool deck and everything else was sorted out. She said for my first New Year's at sea, I shouldn't miss seeing the final piece of the puzzle that we've been putting together for so long. And it was epic. The sound of the horn as Fernando was saying Happy New Year, the clinking of glasses, everybody hugging each other, everything that we had been working on was worth it for that moment alone. And the night was still young because the crew party was in full swing. At the very front of the ship, on the top deck, the crew party was in full swing. The stars were out and it was just perfection under the Caribbean sky. The weather was warm and it was just packed enough up there to feel the ambiance was really, really strong. Janet had left the pool deck and decided to head straight to bed. Her boyfriend was waiting for her in her cabin and he was in the show band, so they hadn't seen each other all day. And the party was crazy. The only thing under us was the ship's top lounge, which doubled as the nightclub in the evenings. 
and that was closed because the main party was on the pool deck. So noise wasn't a factor. The cruise line was nice enough to offer free wine and beer, plus some light snacks. Just then, Derek ran up behind me, and we both exchanged a very pleasant and kind of romantically charged Happy New Year. And then he gave me some gossip. Remember how the show was going to be delayed? It turned out that the dance captain and one of the dancers had been dating. They'd gotten into a fight that night, and the guy that the dance captain was dating threatened to throw off the show if they didn't resolve the issue, and then got a couple of his friends involved. Apparently, Fernando didn't know this information yet, but when he found out, it was going to be very interesting to see. Overall, that evening, that day, was incredible. The feeling of saying Happy New Year and hearing the ship's horn was a feeling like no other. It gives me chills to even think about it to this day, and it reminded me how much I loved doing what I was doing. Christmas and New Year in one cruise was hectic. But because things went so well, it was perfect. Epic, even. When things don't go to plan and people get into trouble, that's when things start to get interesting. Plus, things between Derek and I ended up coming to a screeching halt. And that did not stop the gossip mill. I was about to learn a lot about the politics of working on a cruise ship, and that who you know determines how powerful you are. That and so much more next time. Until then, it's all about keeping afloat. I'm Cruise Director Kabir. Thanks for listening.